You're listening to the Medic Materials Podcast, hosted by Mike Turk, Emily Yates, and Gerard Cuomo. All our current EMS providers and educators with a combined 30 years of EMS experience. Each month we discuss EMS news, medical science, and review actual EMS calls, offering many educational opportunities to the listener. Portions of the calls have been altered to protect the privacy and identity of all involved. Hello and welcome everyone to the uh, Medic Materials Podcast. It is March 1st and I am sitting here somewhat alone. We have Kelsey, resident EMT, and uh, Emily, RN, and EMT, but we are sadly still missing poor Gerardo. Gerard. And we failed to fill his hot seat today. So it'll be the three of us going through this call review and uh, it is... It's a significant one. It has a special place in my in my life. <laughs> and uh, it's not a call that I did, per se. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I think it, it lends itself to what we're going to be talking a lot about this, uh, this month. On the YouTube channel, we had... Um, Posted a lot of videos in February about cardiology, and and we just uh, launched one with pacemakers to end the month. And um, I think this one will lend itself fitting in right with that video, as well as the overall discussion that we want to have this month, and that's RMAs, or refusal of medical attention orders. And it's something that we don't really talk about all that often. It's just kind of something that we're expected to do. And that no one wants to do this is one of those kind of things. So um, we're going to get started. Kelsey, you had some stuff that you wanted to talk about before we dive right into this. So, guys, every month now we're going to be doing a rig check before we get started with our call review or our discussion. So the first thing that's on our checklist is 10 minutes after this podcast airs. Head over to the Facebook page or click the link below. Um, there is going to be a post up on the Facebook page and the question for today's post is what do you think this patient's underlying problem is and would you have let this patient initially RMA? So you can start putting in your opinion as you're listening or even when you're done listening to the podcast and we're really trying to get everybody's different views so everybody can have their part in the podcast. Also, we have an Instagram. It's a little rough. (laughs) I'm working on it. (laughs) Okay, Instagram was developed well after I hit puberty, all right? All right, old man. (laughs) He's working on Instagram to help people in, like, my age group. Um, So follow us on our Instagram. It's the same as our Facebook, at MedicMaterialsEDU. You can see him struggle a little bit, but ultimately... Don't even ask me what Snapchat is. It's just entertaining, (laughs) honestly. It's just entertainment. Go follow it. Give it a like. It's got some great information on it. He'll get there. I promise. (laughs) Um, Any students or acting providers, if you have a topic that you want to discuss or a subject you want to learn about, feel free to message us at MedicMaterialsEDU on our Instagram or our Facebook or feel free to email us at info at medicmaterials.com and make sure to check out our YouTube page every Friday at 2.15. And most importantly, we also have some new merch. So now you're able to support us by purchasing our merch off Teespring. We have new stickers featuring the infamous donut and much Donuts. more. Also, if you have a favorite podcast host, we are having t-shirts out there and you can buy a t-shirt with their most well-known quote from me, Emily, Gerard, and Mike. Eventually. Eventually. We're still trying to figure it out. We're still trying to figure out what I say other than, um, (laughs) Sue? So if you have ideas for that, feel free to message us too. 
Cool. All right. So that's it. Thank you. And um, I I would suggest that we've we've run into a scenario here that's it's it's going to be a two call scenario. Okay, and that is very important. And I have heavily edited the second portion of this call. So uh, and you'll see exactly why uh, why later. So the system that we're in is a very rural EMS district. You have one transporting ambulance staffed with two EMT basics. The system also uh, has an ALS fly car system, which each fly car is staffed with one paramedic. Your local hospitals in this area, you have a general hospital uh, 35 minutes away from this location, and you have a large urban cardiac medical center approximately 25 minutes away. The initial dispatch is a priority four or an alpha priority for those who use it to a residential home with a 32-year-old male syncopal episode. Initially, no medic is sent on dispatch. The time of this call, which is important, which is why I put it in, is approximately 5.30 p.m. or 17.30 for those in EMS. Are we okay with dispatch information being priority four? That's the first thing I want to know. So I think that a single episode and how I like to describe it to everybody is... There could be so many different things. Mm-hmm. Everything causes a single episode and nothing causes a single episode. Yeah. But I think that you're already setting in these providers' minds that, well, this person is young. The single episode means nothing. It's priority four. Right. 32. It can't be. Right. It can't be anything. So these. Maybe like, they farted wrong and passed out. <laughs> right. Maybe they're under, you know, it's already setting this preconceived idea in their mind. Yep. Okay. Um, so the BLS ambulance arrives first, right? The medic was never dispatched initially. So the BLS, arri- the BLS ambulance arrives. They enter the home and they find this patient uh, seated in the kitchen in the care and company of his wife. Uh, he appears from the door alert and pale. Are you so you're already thinking preconceived notions been set in from dispatch? With that information, you know, he's sitting upright, he appears alert, notices you from across the room, but is significantly pale. Is there anything that you guys have kind of perk up in your mind? Any assessments that you want to do right away? Treatments that you want to do right away? Is there anything that you guys are thinking at that point in time at the door? I don't know if it's just me, but we were always taught like an EMT school, like Thinkable episodes are cardiac until proven otherwise. Mm-hmm. So because it was priority four and that medic wasn't dispatched, I don't know how long it's going to take for them to get there. So I might call them ahead and be like, hey, can you start heading over? Like, might need you. If anything, you can turn them around. I like that. I think I think that's, that's, I think I think that's prudent in this situation. I typically, as, as a paramedic, every syncopal episode that I ever do goes ALS. I don't care if it went for five seconds or five minutes. People don't pass out for no reason. Whether it's cardiac or not, it should be an ALS call. That's just my personal opinion. People know. That's just the way I'm going to do it. So uh, the the EMTs, they approach the patient, and they do their initial assessment. The primary EMT finds this patient to be alert and oriented times four. Airway is clear. It's patent. He appears breathing, 
um, with unlabored uh, respirations. There's no obvious trauma anywhere. Peripheral pulses are present and within normal range for speed and stuff like that. And skin, again, is pale and somewhat clammy. Does this presentation worry you to something or worry you to nothing? Maybe it's like, meh, okay, he appears okay, other than being pale and a little bit clammy. I mean, I think that's huge, though. Yeah. Okay. I think that that's a huge point. Like, to me, yes, you're consciously oriented and breathing, but you don't look good. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. Plus, you just passed out. Like, Right. Okay. Uh, so what do you guys want to get next? Where, where do you want to go from here if you're the ones on the on the scene getting this information? Do you want information or do you want assessment? You want it all. Ah, one person start asking questions, yeah, the other thing. person start taking Why vital are you signs. Me? Okay. <laughs> so it's almost like you read this beforehand. Uh, that's exactly what these providers do. The primary EMT steps into the assessment role, and the secondary EMT starts to get the story. Primary EMT um, gets vital signs, manual BP, uh, 136 over 72. Heart rate is 82 and regular. Respiratory rate is 20 and unlabored. And no 2 saturation, SpO2 is 97% on room air. They even get a BG, blood glucose, of 127. This this Two. this one was on top well of done. things, right? Well done. Um, and the second provider, that secondary EMT, is asking what the heck was the leading story to get us here, right? And um, the patient tells EMS that him and his wife were enjoying a night in. Dinner, drinks, movie, that kind of night. They were watching the movie. He had to go pee. So he decided he's going to go upstairs and while urinating, he felt faint and then blacked out. He said he was only out for a short time, but after regaining consciousness, he walked downstairs and waited for EMS because he learned his wife had called. And he states, he's fine. He feels fine. All is well. Thank you for your service. Toodaloo. <laughs> for you guys with this information... Do you believe him first? Are you inclined to believe this this character, this patient? Believe him with what? Believe his story. Like, do you do you believe that that is the only thing that happened, or do you believe that like if I heard this story, I'd be like, "There's holes in this." Like, I want to know. This is like Swiss cheese. I need to make it cheddar. <laughs> like, there's too many holes in here that I need to fill. At least for me. I mean, okay. <laughs> I'm I'm not seeing it as much as Swiss. Like, why wouldn't you believe that? It's not saying I wouldn't believe it, but there's there's details in here that I'm I'm like. I mean, I think I would I ask could, more I, questions. That's yeah. what I'm looking. But, like, I don't think I, believe I wouldn't. It. I don't think I wouldn't believe him. I think it's I need more information. I, yeah, I mean, like, I would ask more. What I'm yeah, I would ask more questions. I wouldn't just be like. You know, you tell me that story and you're like, okay, goodbye. Like, no. Right. <laughs> Sit down. Let's talk. Right. right. How long were you there for? Did you hit your head? Right. I And yes. I mean, how did you feel getting off the couch and walking to the bathroom? You said you felt faint when you were peeing and like then passed out. But right. what about before that? What were you doing? Mm -hmm. What did you have for food? How I, many drinks? I like it. Okay. So 
the EMTs agree that there's not enough information here. They're following your guys, Ow, following like your guys. guys these, EMTs. These, yeah. these EMTs are on point, right? Um, and they start asking the patient further questions, right? He, they ask. How many drinks have you had that night? And the patient admits to having four alcoholic beverages, which really isn't out of the norm for him on a night where he's hanging out with his wife. Whatever, um, who cares? Age. Right? Right. Um, and he kind of then deflects. Where then the wife steps in and goes, all right, let me tell you really what happened. Love the wife in Love this the situation. Wife, right? Love the wife. And... Um, she then tells these providers she was downstairs when she heard a loud crash. She went upstairs to investigate and found her husband laying in the bathtub with his legs over the tub edge. Ouch. Okay. So this is kind of one of those like, uh, you know, stand in tubs. You got the edge. You got the like the plastic wall. He is laying with his head against the plastic wall in the tub, legs almost touching the floor on the outside. Ow. Right. Looks like he fell straight backwards into the tub from a standing position, right? So now we have to think possibly trauma, right? Some injury. Some injury. So he's laying in the bathroom with these um, in the tub. And when she finds him, he's unconscious, unresponsive. Feels a radial pulse and finds it to be faint and irregular. She then proceeded to get a fair bit worried and she <laughs> felt that she may actually be like have the need to begin CPR. She didn't, but she feels the need. So this is when she ran downstairs, grabs her phone, calls nine one returns upstairs while she's on the phone with nine one one. While she's on the phone talking, her husband starts to become a little bit more responsive. He is responsive to voice. He's extremely lethargic, very confused, barely can keep his eyes open, is mumbling gibberish. Wife's still on the phone, and then he becomes unresponsive again. This lasted for maybe a minute or so that he had the the change in responsiveness back to being unresponsive. So would that technically count as two syncable episodes? How does that work? Tomato, tomato. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I Who mean, cares? <laughs> It, it it is kind of like who cares? Um, it's a it's a significant change in responsiveness. Right. I wouldn't call it a syncopal episode because the initial blackout was the syncopal episode. This is just a change from being unresponsive to being responsive to voice back to being unresponsive. Right. Like it's not really another syncopal episode. It's just change in mental status. Um, so she feels his pulse again. And feels a beat and a long pause. And then a beat and then another long pause. And approximately one to two minutes later, he regains consciousness. He is disoriented. Wait, but so it, we're bradycardic? Like a beat and then a pause and then a beat and then a pause? Correct. Okay. That, that's at least what we have to... <laughs> okay. Looking from the outside, yes, we would assume that this gentleman is bradycardic, right? Um, after like one to two minutes... He regains consciousness. He's disoriented, but he's able to stand with help and speak to her. Over the next minute, he becomes fully alert, oriented, and walks downstairs to the kitchen. Still looking like shit. 
looking like shit to await EMS arrival. How did he feel like standing up, walking downstairs? Initially, when he stood up, the wife would, he had, he had reported to the wife that he was very unsteady, kind of wobbly. But once he was able to get down the stairs, there was no issue walking, standing, moving around. So, I don't like it. So you don't like it. I don't so like it. hearing this information, what exactly are you guys thinking? thinking what has changed in your thinking like you didn't like him from the beginning i mean i didn't like the way he looked from the beginning okay but i like it even less now do you feel like this was this this was to me a serious event yeah, this wasn't definitely. just like oh yeah he oh, yeah, passed out because he was drinking <laughs> or whatever like right. yeah like this was a significant syncopal event i agree right um is there anything that you guys want to do now that hasn't been done not with story, but like treatment or assessment or other operational type things. Did they call for ALS yet? They have not. I definitely would now then. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this is this sounds cardiac. Cardiac. Absolutely sounds cardiac, right? So the primary EMT does exactly that, Kelsey. He decides, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to radio for a paramedic go to him. respond to the scene. These guys were on point, I These have to say. These guys were on point. Um, meanwhile, the primary, or I'm sorry, the secondary EMT goes in and calls for the, um, calls for the paramedic. The primary EMT stays inside and obtains a second set of vitals. Manual BP 130 over 70, heart rate 76 regular, respiratory rate 20 unlabored, SpO2 remains 98%. He's still alert and oriented times four. They do a stroke exam and find no weakness, no slurred speech, no... Nothing that would trigger them to be thinking, hey, this might be a CVA or stroke of some sort. So really, nothing's changed. Heart rate's still about the same. Respiratory rate's the same. Blood pressure's the same. Everything seems to be okay. The primary EMT goes down into gathering medical history. And they say, okay, uh, they find out he's got acid reflux. Treated with a daily omeprazole, 20 over the counter, no big deal. Um, probably didn't cause the single episode. Probably not. Probably didn't cause the single. I would agree with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> no allergies, no other meds. Uh, and they dig a little deeper and they find out that he has had a few single episodes over the course of a 15 year period, all of which were never found to have a diagnosed cause. Okay. Is that added information anything? How many syncopal episodes are we talking? Like one over the past 15 years or like 35 over the past 15 <laughs> years? Because there's a big difference. Uh, seven. Still concerning, but not concerning, 35 concerning. But, you know, this is like, you know, one every two years kind of thing if you space them out, right? Who knows if that's how they happen, but... Yeah, but if it's cardiac, like, what's the cause of it? If it's cardiac related and this has been going on for 15 years, at what point does your heart say, like, fuck you, I'm done? And really, like, <laughs> and then the wife is what happens? Doing CPR. I mean, what's Seriously. the difference between a single episode and unresponsive? Like, you come back. Yep. So, like, that's even more concerning to me. And then the wife is and doing the, CPR in the bathtub. Yeah, honestly. And the fact that, you know, this gentleman said, I'm 32 years old. This started when I was, you know, a teenager, mid-teens, right. 14, 15, 15 years old, and nothing's been diagnosed, which either means 
the doctors have never taken it seriously or he maybe never went. Well, and I mean, a 14 year old has a single episode. Not many people are going to take that seriously. Right. But should we? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Every single episode we should. Because then there'll be 32 in the bathtub unresponsive. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, and and <laughs> next time what happens when he's at the top of the stairs and now he falls down the stairs and that single episode is the least of his worries right now. Yep. Yeah, I, I wouldn't 100% agree. Um, so we're treating this as definitely, like in my mind, definitely needs to go get checked out. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, 100%. Um, and you guys, as Kelsey said in the beginning, you guys can put your opinion on the Facebook page right now. So go there, use that link, tell us what you're thinking as we're doing this episode. What are we missing? What are we missing, There's right? something, I promise. <laughs> There's probably more than one something. <laughs> So about seven minutes after being requested, the fly car medic arrives on scene. Seven the, minutes? Seven minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? Even for rural EMS, I know. that's pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, the primary EMT gives a full rundown of what's been going on, what's been found out, and the medic decides immediate three-lead like ECG. Why three? That's, is, a, that's a legitimate question. So a four lead is really a three lead. Yeah, I'll explain it later. So, yeah. <laughs> so the way, okay, so we all say four lead EKG because there's four, there's four leads, right? Yeah. You only need three. But technically you only lead. need three. When you're actually looking at it, you have augmented leads that they make from that fourth lead. Got it. So don't worry. You remember that big orange book? That I gave you for EKGs. Have it. You gave it to Justin. That was dumb. Oh, that was dumb. <laughs> Justin, I want it back if you're listening. <laughs> okay, well, I will get it back and I will give it to you and you can start reading it. I have one that's Best not EKG as big and it's a really good EKG book. Yeah. This one's full of pictures. It's great. Great for people like me. <laughs> Just saying. So with that tangent successfully <laughs> fulfilled, um, and you have just plugged your own So I Got a Question t-shirt. Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there will be more. The uh, the medic obtains the, the three lead or four lead, whatever you want to call it. EKG and the initial rhythm is normal sinus with a rate in the 70s. So I was just going to say this. They, they called the medic, which I absolutely would have done. But I'm not anticipating that 12 lead to look any differently because I think whatever happened is past. Done. Yeah, it's over. Right. So I think that you're far enough out of it, too, that like I don't anticipate you to have any EK, a young, healthy person who has a syncable episode that has resolved and now is not complaining of anything. Like, does he look better? Is he less pale? Not mm -hmm. diaphoretic? You know what I mean? I wouldn't anticipate that to be different. But don't let that guide. Like, this person still needs to go to the hospital. They still need a cardiac workup. Just because they're 12 leads normal doesn't mean that they're fine. Right. I, I 100% Not even agree. a 12 lead. It's your threes. Yeah. It's like so a three okay, versus and, and a fork. It. But this paramedic does the due diligence, obtains the 12 lead. Again, like you predicted, sinus rhythm, no ST elevations or depressions, no blocks, no abnormalities. You're still thinking absolutely needs to get transported, yeah. needs a cardiac workup. I'm with you. I would spend three hours here trying to sit there and be like, I you agree. need to do something. So, I mean, I pull, I'm like ruthless with this. I'll pull the family in. Mm -hmm. Like, do you want to be a widow? Talk to your husband, make him go. <laughs> like I am ruthless. 
So would you consider this different if you didn't know that the wife was like, counts at the pulse was like, beat, really long pause, beat, if they passed out, they woke up a minute and a half later. You don't know the difference, like what what happened in between. What my deciding factor on this was, was how he looked when you walked in. Young, healthy people are not pale and diaphoretic for no reason. Mm -hmm. That's a perfusion problem. I don't like that. Yeah. And I'm with you. Even if you pass out for something else, if you pass out from alcohol, I mean, how many people get drunk and pass out? You're not pale and diaphoretic from that. Yeah. You're less tired. In the morning, when you wake up, but you're usually not pale and diet. And that's it. Like looking at the other signs, like you're looking at perfusion issues, Exactly. not only taking the information from the wife, even if it was not there, hearing his initial story of, I went up, I peed, I blacked out, I woke up, I was kind of disoriented, but I made it my way downstairs, but I still look like shit, but I feel fine. There's a reason that you looked like shit. Right, exactly. Like, people don't pass out for no reason. Syncopal episodes, like you said, are typically cardiac in nature. Even if this paramedic is thinking, oh, well, maybe they just vasovagaled. Or maybe it's that orthostatic hypotension. You know, you change position, you pass out. Like, that happens so frequently. Right. But you still don't get pale and diaphoretic from that. Right. Unless you You have a perfusion issue. Right. Unless you lose all perfusion. Exactly. Right. There's still a perfusion issue. Because so. think about why are you pale and diaphoretic? Your skin is not getting perfused. That is so late down the the road there. Yeah. Your sympathetics kicked in. Yeah. It's saying, hey, You're we shunting. don't need the skin. Right. We're shunting. So something significant had to happen. And at this point in time, the color is starting to come back. They're starting to look more pink. They're less, you know, less clammy. But they're still not perfect. Still not perfect. They feel perfect. The medic again asks very deliberately, what hospital are we going to? <laughs> Doesn't even give him the option. Doesn't even give him that. This patient goes, ah, you guys can have a good night. I'm not going anywhere. And says he feels fine. He feels back to normal. And ultimately, these providers and this patient have a a short discussion with this patient and they sign this patient off with an RMA or refusal and EMS leaves all within the, you know, the range of like 45 minutes patient contact time. So our, at this table, I don't think any of us are okay with this decision, but again, but it's theirs to make and i will fight that till the death like i will support your decision whatever it is my job is to educate you and scare the bejesus out of you (laughs) to try and get you to go but at the end of the day we're not in the business of kidnapping how many times do i say that a shift a million but it's true and i i love the fact that you can make whatever dumb decision you want to make because that's your choice viva la america i want to make my decision (laughs) when it comes to my health care so i will defend that to a T. Mm-hmm. However, I'm also not against scaring the shit out of people to try and get them to go. Like <laughs> nope. I said, like I would have called a doc. I would have let the doc and try it, and like, scare them. Yep. And, and Miss, you almost started CPR. Would you like to next time? Like, right. do you like being a widow? Yeah. I if I was the medic on this call, when I'm getting back in my truck, I'm feeling bad. 
Like, oh, I, yeah. I, I totally, like, I'm going to be there again. I totally feel like I failed. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going back there sometime but tonight. But not even like you're going like, back there because, like, whatever. Right. I'm here for the shift. I can do. I can go wherever the fuck I, I want. I really it hope matter. he doesn't code in the next exactly. hour. You know? Exactly. Like, I have that impending cloud over my head the rest of the shift. Whether yes. it be 10 minutes or 12 hours, I have that impending. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. So let's transition into our second call okay we're going to transition into the second call and you guys need to remember all of the details from the first call so if you need something time out go to the facebook page and be our fourth person hot seat and talk about what you would have done to try and get this person to not oh give me your ruthless techniques guys I'm running out. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I need some more. You need something like besides, it. do you want to be a widow? <laughs> you want to die? Yeah, that one's getting old. Yeah, I, I know. Oh, ones. I'm aware. <laughs> I need new ones. Um, People are not as afraid of that as they used to be. <laughs> that's true. They're like, whatever. Slightly <laughs> um, disconcerting. <laughs> so with that, if you guys need any uh, you know, information from the first call, just let me know. We'll go back. We'll review. Okay. So this second call happens in the exact same EMS system. One BLS transporting ambulance, one ALS fly car, same hospitals, general hospital, 35 minutes away, large urban medical center, 25 minutes away. The, ta- the time now is 2 a.m. So we're approximately eight hours Later in shift. Okay. And these guys are dispatched priority one, Delta priority for a 32 year old male, unresponsive. Oh, wow. Weird. Weird. Weird how that happened. (laughs) Almost like we thought of it. Um, So he made it till 2 a.m. So to you guys, something seems familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say this is going to be the same exact 32 year old that we just discussed. Is it the same that. crew or a different crew? Ah, however, because it's eight hours later, the BLS crew and the paramedic responding are all different. As is the dispatch, though. As is Night the, and day from the dispatch. As is the dispatch. And here's the other big red flag to me, is that no current provider responding to this call is aware of the happenings that happened on the previous day shift. Because there was no communication at the end of the shift like, hey, I did this really weird bonkers RMA today. You probably are going to go back. Here's the story. None of that. I like to do that I to was incoming just say, crews. For the record, like, if you're leaving the scene and you have that, oh, fuck, I don't like this situation, tell your relief. Yeah, please do. Tell your relief because your inkling is probably correct. And yeah. at some point you will be back. Someone will be back. Whether it's you or somebody else. Yep. I've had this conversation handing off to you Mm -hmm. a million times. Yep. Oh, yeah. And it's one of the, especially in like the fly car system. Yeah. Because me working in it, I can sit there and be like, yeah, I went to this place. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm aware. And then I get information for the next time I go back because I don't get a lot of time with the BLS crews when I'm in a fly. Like I'm by myself. I rely on the paramedics that relieve me or I relieve and that's really it. Um, so with this call, EMS arrives together. Cool. BLS, ALS, they arrive at the same time. They're shown inside uh, by the wife, and they're walked upstairs to where they find the male patient 
semi-responsive, guess where? In the bathtub. Floor of the bathroom. <laughs> Almost. Maybe she should stop peeing. Seriously, like, like maybe this guy issue. should just get a Foley. <laughs> Honestly, like Christ. Uh, get a Foley, get a poop bag. <laughs> like it'll be, it'll be perfect. Um, 32 years old. Why a not? Fecal should, management system. You know, whatever. <laughs> uh, She's got to make it sound pretty. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, so seeing seeing this uh, gentleman semi-responsive on the bathroom floor, the paramedic immediately steps in, beginning assessing this patient. Finds this male to be responsive to loud voices only. Yells at this patient, opens their eyes a little, and then immediately shuts them. Cool. Airway's still clear. No fluid, no vomit. Breathing is shallow but unlabored and appears there's no trauma, but the skin feels hot to the touch. Hmm. We both went, hmm. My next question, so what's going through your heads? I even wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like because that's a totally different presentation, I mean, skin-wise, than he was before. But, I mean, they wouldn't know that, I guess. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't know but that. But in my mind, I'm thinking of what would make that drastic change. Mm -hmm. What she said. Okay. I like it. So the medic <laughs> takes full control of the scene uh, and instructs one EMT to gather vital signs and the other EMT to get information from the wife. This poor wife. What the heck <laughs> happened? Right? What the hell happened? Uh, so vital signs, the EMT, rather than doing a manual, gets a auto cuff, NIBP cuff. It comes back as 86 over 43. Heart rate is 57 via the SpO2 probe, and the SpO2 itself is reading 87%. Respiratory rate hmm. is 24 in shallow, and they even do a blood glucose, comes back as 151. So, besides the blood glucose, that set of vitals alone is slightly disconcerting for a 32-year-old, relatively. I mean, at this point, I'm hoping they're getting past medical history knowing he's perfectly healthy. Mm-hmm. So that alone is disconcerting, and especially if the wife, I'm assuming, she seems pretty competent enough to be like, oh, you guys were already here today. Mm -hmm. And knowing that, I feel like that's even more disconcerting to that crew to be like, okay, what's actually going on right now? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, like, I'd walk in being like, 32? Meh, why are, unless you're right. like the size of my wife, where you're 94 pounds soaking wet, and your blood pressure's normally like 94 over something... And you're at 86, I'd be like, mm, okay, drink some water. <laughs> be fine, you know? But not for an adult male that's 32 that's not, not 94, 94 pounds. pounds, right? Um, so the wife informs EMS that her husband, again, went to the bathroom after getting up from sleeping. Stop peeing. Stop peeing, right? Uh, she heard another loud crash and oh. found him unresponsive on the floor. She immediately called 911, felt his pulse again, and found it to be slow but present. Now, she puts in another loud crash. Again, past tense words yeah. that are supposedly cluing into these providers that maybe this has happened before, right? Because, again, they're still unaware that there's been a crew that was here that eight this hours ago. this is the ago. second time in 24 hours right. this has happened. Because the wife did not tell them on arrival like hey thanks for coming again well and in all fairness like who would when right. when she's calling 9 again like she's gonna assume that they know because it's the, she did the same process she knows right. it's out of her mind she's worried about other things right now and that's it i feel like even if they didn't know that it was twice 
It makes you more concerned that it was twice in the past 24 hours, but even if it wasn't, those vital signs alone, how she's saying, you're at the same disconcern we were the first time around. Yep. I was going to say, it doesn't matter that it happened twice. I mm-hmm. mean, like, it's a good piece of information to know. But, but right still, now, it doesn't how change he's pre- the process. Exactly. It doesn't change my thought process right now. Nope. I mean, I thought this the first time that he should have gone. And now <laughs> his vital signs are that much or worse. even worse. And right. now he's not totally responsive. Now he doesn't have a choice. Yeah. Just hope he doesn't wake up. <laughs> JK. That might be kidnapping. Um, <laughs> no, implied consent. Yeah, implied consent. I'm sure the wife is telling you to let him go, too. Probably. Probably. She seems, like you said, a sharp lady. And she got so, threatened as a widow earlier. So. Yeah. <laughs> now it's really hitting home. Um, EMTs decide 87% isn't really all that great for an SPO2. They apply oxygen via non rebreather mask Ooh. and place it at 10 liters per minute. The medic decides four lead AKG, three lead AKG, whatever you want to call it. Um, like anis- a fork versus a three. They do the same thing, but one yeah. sounds wrong. That's right. Um, initial rhythm shows sinus bradycardia, right? Rate is in the 50s. The medic then decides he's not going to wait, places a, a successful IV, 18 gauge in left AC, hangs a thousand milliliter bag of normal saline, starts that infusion. Woo. The secondary EMT, at this time, while all these treatment things are going on within the bathroom, decides we need to extricate this patient based on implied consent. They're going. (laughs) Goes down to the rig, gets the Reeves, and comes back upstairs. They place the patient on the Reeves, get him down the stairs, outside, they place him on the stretcher. As they're moving the stretcher across the driveway... We have a mental status change. He starts becoming a bit more responsive. Damn it, you got to move faster. He's <laughs> awesome. Get him in the ambulance and go. Uh, he opens up his eyes and asks, what the heck is going on? And over the next five or so minutes, he returns to being completely, fully alert and oriented times four. He's able to answer all questions. He's able to respond clearly, but it takes him a little a little bit longer to do, like, you know, takes that five minutes for him to come out of what the hell is going on to I understand what's going on kind of thing. So is there first, is there any information that you guys absolutely need to know at this point in time now that he's awake? And what do you think is going on with this patient? Knowing what we know, not so much what this crew knows. We know that he did this eight hours ago. Right. I want his account of what he thinks happened. Okay. Did he get lightheaded before? Did he just go boom? Like boom, boom. I don't honestly at this point. I'm not even sure. I would. He, I would believe that he would tell me the truth. So like, I think he would tell me the right story. But is he going to like water it down because he doesn't want to go? The EMS crew begins transport. Paramedic and primary EMT are in the back of the rig. Vitals at this point are retaken. Uh, NIBP cuff is used again, spits out 116 over 73. Significant improvement, right? From 86 over 40. But he also had an improvement in mental status, yes, so it makes did. sense. Okay. Heart rate, 76, sinus rhythm with the occasional PVC, or uh, premature ventricular contraction. Respiratory rate is 18 and unlabored. SpO2 is 
still on the non-rebreather oxygen. The medic then decides, I'm going to do my first 12 lead. I personally would have done that earlier. Earlier? Yeah. But this paramedic decides, I'm going to do my first 12 lead, show sinus rhythm, no ST elevations. I was going to say, again, I feel like we missed the ball on that. Because whatever happened is is over, right? And the medic decides, I want to see what he's on. Room air, so pulls the oxygen off of them. And the probably doesn't need a non rebreather. Yep. The room air sat remains above ninety six percent. So good to go. Good to go. Was that your question that No, what was the pulse rate? Uh, Seventy six. With the occasional irregular beat, irregular PVC. Nothing nothing to write home about. However, should a thirty two year old be having PVCs? coffee do you drink how many energy well, drinks and that's i mean it. i there's guess there's so many yeah. things that cause pvcs but that is also something different from the first time mm-hmm. like he wasn't throwing ectopic beats right in the beginning so but again these guys don't know that right. right right but it's really good to be thinking the differences between the two presentations because really these are two very drastically different yeah. presentations yeah. right so The medic attempts to gather more information. He begins asking a whole slew of questions, and the patient informs the medic that he went to the bathroom, and while seated, he began to feel extremely sleepy, and he began to literally nod out, and then woke up outside on the stretcher. (laughs) Doesn't remember anything from the time he became really sleepy to the time he woke up. Doesn't even remember. Like, I mean, the that's a significant amount of time. That is a significant amount that's of much time. Much longer than the first time. Yep. Yes, it is. Did they ever find out that he, he RMA'd earlier? Wife ever bring it up? Patient ever bring it up? We shall get there. Okay. <laughs> um, he also reports to the medic that something similar did happen earlier in the evening. And now I believe everything he says because he owned it. He owned it. He finally was like, yeah, yeah. By the way. Oh, by the way. Sorry. I fucked up earlier, too. (laughs) Whatever. So the transport continued and approximately six minutes goes by. The medic is sitting there doing their due diligence. And he looks up at the medic and he tells him he's beginning to feel extremely tired again. And same about, feeling? Same feeling. Extremely tired. And about 20 seconds after that statement, he's again unconscious, unresponsive on the cot. 12 lead. That's the first button I'm pushing. Okay. I'd want to know. So the medic has the same kind of like, uh, let me look over there. Looks at the monitor and notices a significant rhythm change during those 20 seconds. Do you want to guess what it is? Just squiggly lines. Idioventricular. Oh, I like that. I like it. Maybe. Probably so <laughs> on, the med- on the monitor, this medic sees a heart rate drop. Okay. And, and as, as uh, I say these numbers, there is no like, oh, hey, it's dropping by like one beat per thing until it gets there. It's like, no, it's this and now it's this. Nothing in between. So keep, keep that in mind. Okay. So the heart rate drops from 70 to 62, 62 to 55, 55 to 40. It's going the wrong way. 40 to 32, <laughs> 32 to 20, 20 to a six second pause of nothing. Ooh. Oh, God. And then a PJC. 
Now, PJC is a premature junctional contraction. It's your heart's last-ditch effort. Right. Now, remember... <laughs> Please help. Right, and that's it. Like, remember ACLS? when... ACLS? You just took it. So, <laughs> um, for those that, you know, need the brushing up on pacemakers of the heart, right? You have internal pacemakers of the heart. You have your AV or your SA node your regular pacemaker, 60 to 100. If that fails, it goes to the AV node or the junctional node, and that pace is like 40 to 60. And then if that fails, it goes down to the Purkinje fibers, and they pace at like 20 to 40. And if that fails, well, then you're just dead. But here, <laughs> you're actually seeing one fail, and one try and take over. Like it's trying it's to go, do you can what watch it go down the right, like conduction I, system. This is really cool okay. just to see. It really sucks for the patient, but it's really cool to see. <laughs> just saying. The provider's is like, ooh. So remember, 20 beats a 20 to a six second pause of nothing, like that. Then a PJC, a singular PJC, and then an eight second pause of nothing. One singular PJC, another six-second pause of nothing. Did they think to start CPR? I was going to say, we're like 20 seconds into yep. two beats. Yep. Non-perfusing beats. Okay. And then... I'd want to start CPR. Okay. And then you see three sets of PJC couplets. So that's just How are two junctional beats put together in succession. Then a little bit of space... Two beats, a little bit of space, two beats. And the rate begins to increase again back into the 20s, then into the 40s, then into the 60s, and then again it's sinus rhythm with a PVC here and there. So you have, cool. this, you have this 20 second event that this, this medic is watching and going, oh shit, I should probably start CPR. Records it on the monitor. I was going to say, I almost... Tries, like, gets into the position to start CPR, and then it's over. Back. That man's sternum was lucky. Seriously. <laughs> like, seriously lucky. So, I'm assuming that everyone at this table, if that was your patient, would be significantly concerned with that. Like, what are we dealing with here? Like, that? there's no blocks, there's no nothing. Young, healthy. Young, healthy. Serious bradycardia. But you see, like, and he's just laying there. Like, there's, you know, it takes vasovagal out of the loop. Right. It, it takes, like, orthostatic hypotension right. out Gone. of the ball game. It's, I he's mean, just you, laying there. You know for a fact it's strictly your heart now. Right. Your heart is the sole cause of this. Yeah. This is, this is a cardiac problem. 32-year-olds don't have cardiac problems, I was told. I'm disease. Right. But we really need to have that conversation in that, yes, they do, and we need to take these calls seriously. Like, oh, how many providers do we know that would have sync, like looked at this, not this specific call, but the first one? Oh, yeah. And been like, ah, he was out for a minute or so, BLS. And then gone 100%. back in service. 100%. Right? Too many. Way too many. So after... The sinus rhythm comes back. He begins to regain consciousness. And the transports continued without really any further events or issues. He's dropped off at the hospital. I feel like and, that was enough. And the crew <laughs> returned in service. No other treatments were given. No other, you know, 
assessments were really performed by the paramedic. They just go, okay, like, drop How off. Long Here you go. He out for? Here's the story. The 20 to 30 seconds. And then once his rhythm came back, he started to come right back to consciousness. I'm really glad that this, this guy went and got taken care of in that particular, you know, instance, but it, it is really like listening to it, listening to the show and the, and the call review. It's like, okay, what the hell actually caused it? Because I just can't look at the beginning presentation and the second presentation and be like, it's the same patient. Right. They're very different. They're very yeah. different. Right. But certain the syncopal episodes and the way they respond out of the syncopal episodes are kind of the same. Right. So remember when I said that I heavily edited the second call? So I have a question. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> Hold yourself. Hospitally. 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 Well, you, say word. you say pre-hospitally. Hospitally. Hospitally. Sure. In the hospital. <laughs> If they, he didn't RMA the first time, and they brought him up, would they have found anything? I think. Oh, who knows? Or do I you mean, think it would have been the same as his seven other syncable episodes the past 15 years that he's had I think them. if he didn't have a syncable episode in the hospital, they wouldn't have found jack shit on it. Yeah. Because who knows what blood work would have shown. I doubt that there was enough. I mean, there, unless I doubt there was root, cardiac injury that, like, a right, trope that, was, yeah, like, I, a troponin was elevated For a 20 or second, even for a five minute. Like hypoperfusion, probably not going to elevate your trope that much. But yeah. unless they could find like a root cause, like, oh, yeah, by the way, you have Lyme disease, mm-hmm. they're not going to find any of that. Yeah. So it was almost kind of lucky that the second time it was witnessed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that he didn't walk out with a head injury. Also no. true. Who the heck knows how much trauma he had? Because that bathtub is goddamn dangerous. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so moving on to, to bring all of this together and why. Um, I wanted to review these and like I said, foreshadowing, I really altered the second scenario and why I did that is because this, and you guys know this, we've all been playing the ruse here. This was me to get my pacemaker. Okay. And I want to talk about this because we just, I did that video on pacemakers. We don't talk about it all that much and the circumstances around these instances present very interesting conversations. The first, the 32-year-old that has a syncopal episode. Now, the first portion of this call, that first 5 p.m. at night where I have the syncopal episode and land in the bathtub after peeing, that is 100% legit. My wife, Jess, who you all know is medically trained, comes in and goes, I'm probably going to have to start CPR on this guy because I barely feel a pulse. She calls 911, comes in, and I regain a little bit of my brain power, (laughs) and then I black out again. Poor Jess. Poor Jess. Honestly. And I, I maintain a pulse. I'm able to get up. I go downstairs. Now, when I was downstairs, I legit felt fine. I was kind of groggy walking down the stairs. I won't I won't lie about that. But I literally felt completely fine being downstairs. I was pale as shit. And everyone knows 
I'm white as fuck anyway. <laughs> and then you look at me and you're like, wow, he's really white. There's something wrong. Um, so I was pale as a ghost. And you were still the idiot that Ara made. And I was still the idiot that Ara made. Now, here's here's the first bit of the RMA that I want to talk about. Right. So the call is significant in that here's a 32 year old that has I've had uh, six or seven somewhere around there. I forget. I think this one that we're talking about that day was my seventh syncopal episode since I was 14 years old. All of them are different. Every single time that I've passed out has been under different circumstances. It's never been like, I've been peeing every single time. <laughs> every single one was completely different. And nobody ever sat there and was like, hey, you're a cardiac patient or you're a diabetic patient. Or like They just were like, meh, we didn't find a cause. Carry on with your life, right? Hope it doesn't happen again. Hope it doesn't happen again, right? So... That's the first clue that listeners really need to take it seriously in syncopal episodes. Even, you know, if a 15-year-old goes down and says, yeah, man, I passed out, there's a reason. There's a reason why I say that every syncopal episode, five seconds, five minutes needs to be ALS. Whether or not you do anything, you put them on the monitor, you put them on the 12 lead, you look at nothing, and you just make sure it doesn't happen again, that's okay by me. As Mark would say, it's ALS light. It's a nice, easy chart. Don't sit there and be like, oh. I'm not going to do anything, less. so I'm just going to send this with the EMTs. Yeah. Until they're unresponsive in the back of your ambulance again. Right, and then you look like a fool, right? Because it happens. Don't underestimate that people can have cardiac issues at early ages. Yeah. I got my pacemaker at 33 years old. And when I was in with my cardiologist, I, I was nervous being so young. And he's like, you're not young. I was like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, all, the pacemaker, all the pacemaker patients I take care of are, are 80? like 80. I'm 33 freaking years old. He's like, yeah, my youngest one is like 14. I was like, okay, that makes me feel better. <laughs> I bet your doc knows how to use Instagram. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, it is what it is. He's working uh, on it, guys. <laughs> So the other thing that is a is a very interesting circumstance with this is that here I am, a medical provider pre-hospitally, my wife, medical provider pre-hospitally, talking with three medical providers pre-hospitally, two of which are personal friends of mine that show up on this call. That's why they did so good. Should they have actually let me RMA? I mean, if this, they were your friends, they really could have pulled the jest, you want to be a widow they card. They could have whacked me First again, of like all, whacked me over the head. If I had showed up on scene and seen a friend of mine looking like that, and then his wife, who's a badass like Jess is, not only would it be like, oh, fuck, don't screw this up, but like, there's no fucking way that I'm letting you sign off because that's on me. Yep. Uh, and and yeah, this is- Yeah, then you just feel like crap about it I for mean, the rest well, of forever. Right? But, like, but at the same time, like with your wife, especially if these are your friends, so they know the medical capabilities in this house, right. they know that you're going to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, right. I, I can see this point. one way. Right. Again, I can see this going one way or another. What happens if I fall down the stairs? And what happens if Jess is sleeping since you right. decided to do this when you were awake mm-hmm. or in the middle of the night when you went up to be? Yep. It, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I can see both sides. You're not 32-year-old yeah. male bachelor who's just 
living large and, well, and that's it. if you fall down, nobody's going to see you. Right. You know, they find me unresponsive and dead three days later. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, it, what happens if it happens in your sleep and you don't come back from it mm-hmm. and now? Yep. And that's why I want to talk about the second portion. And that's why I said I heavily edited the second portion because I literally had to make most, if not all of that up. Sorry, um, guys. He lied. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to do it for educational purposes because the second time was so the first time after I uh, had my syncopal episode, I RMA'd, I had a cardiologist appointment the next like two days later and Jess went with me and I had been seen for like my PVCs and my palpitations and stuff like that previously, but nothing like for this for almost like an eight year period. I had gone with no syncopal episodes. So the, uh, the cardiologist was like, eh, you know, it could be this, you know, he probably just vasovagaled out while he was peeing. It does happen to men who, you know, whatever. And she's like, no, (laughs) like, okay, this is who I am. And this is what I do. And you're going to listen and take things seriously. Good. And she was like, listen, when I felt his pulse, it was like faint beat. Nothing. Faint beat. Nothing. (laughs) Like there was something going on. So he believed her and I got a loop monitor. Loop monitors are little. They're literally the size of a AAA battery. They're about half the half the thickness. And it was implanted uh, just over my heart. So it literally takes the electrical activity of my heart if it meets the parameters of what the doctor sets it. So the loop monitor was uploaded every night um, at like four o'clock in the morning to my base station. And then it it would trigger if I had a heart rate less than 20 or any type of, you know, like VTAC or AFibs or anything like erratic that it was like, oh, I don't like that. Any SVTs, anything like that. Or if I was bradycardic under 20. It's a low limit. It's a very low <laughs> limit, right? Wow. And the, the doc was like, you know, you, you should still, like, even if you're bradycardic, you're not going to be you know, passed out loss, loss of consciousness. If it's in the forties or even the high thirties, like he was thinking I was going down if it was like 20 or under kind of thing. So I had the loop for a year and three months. And that's why I make these calls eight hours apart, but it was really a year and three months. And the story with the second call was I went out fishing and after fishing, I had come home and by the end of the night felt run down. And I ended up getting like a spontaneous fever with no other symptoms. It was the weirdest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> and I just attributed that like my hands were in the fish's mouth and I didn't wash and somehow like I rubbed my eye and next thing I have like a weird fish, fish fever. fever. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I was like. It must be that. Because who the hell gets a fever literally out of the nowhere with no other symptoms, like no shortness of breath, no nothing. 
So I'm sleeping and, you know, this is all during COVID. So I was like, just in case boys sleep downstairs, Jess sleep downstairs. I'll sleep upstairs by myself. I'll quarantine myself from my little bubble for a couple days. No big deal. Get a COVID test, comes back negative. I have that night when I went to sleep, I had 103.7 fever with Tylenol. So I got up, went to pee, was kind of woozy when I stood up. So that's why I sat down. And next thing I remember is I was on the floor. I remember being being on the toilet. I got really fucking sleepy like head bob like you're driving on the passenger seat of a car (laughs) and next thing i know i wasn't on the floor so i had fallen straight forward off the toilet and remember how i laid when i was unconscious unresponsive in the bathroom for your scenario i was leaned over the (laughs) tub with my head in the bottom of the tub and my my legs on On the the floor So I just like falling into tubs, apparently. And so eventually I wake up and I'm super fucking groggy. I realize where the hell I am and I'm like, okay. Damn, it happened again. Well, no. So my brain had two things. It, It said COVID. Well, either you passed out again. Or you fell asleep. (laughs) So I got up and I went back in bed. Didn't tell Jess. Didn't tell anybody. Like Jess was sleeping downstairs. I really can't. (laughs) Jess is sleeping downstairs. Doesn't hear any of this. I go back to sleep. Fall asleep. Wake up for breakfast the next morning. I wake up. Take a shower. My fever's gone. I get a phone call and it's the, it's the cardiologist's <laughs> office <laughs> and they're like, hello, Mr. Turek. Um, this is so-and-so, you know, cardiologist tech for, you know, so-and-so's doctor's office. And I'm like, yeah. Hey. Like, um, yeah. So you had a cardiac event last <laughs> night and I go, oh, oh shit. <laughs> really? I thought I was tired. <laughs> I was like, somehow I was somewhat expecting this phone call. And um, he's just like, giving you the evil eyes at this point because no, she again still didn't know she was still downstairs hadn't checked on me yet I'm still upstairs like I'm walking in the boys room my room going hi <laughs> and he's like and I'm brushing it off like yeah how bad was it he goes yeah it was really bad <laughs> and I'm like what do you mean so then he starts telling me and he's like so you had a beat and then there was like nothing and then you had a beat then you had like nothing again and it lasted 32 seconds Damn. and I'm like okay I'll call my cardiologist and at that point I knew for a fact I had bought a pacemaker like knew it right then and there I was like damn it fuck <laughs> Come downstairs, tell Jess the whole story. She whacks me outside the head <laughs> and's like, you bought yourself a base I'm like, yeah, I already knew that. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> week goes by. I go to the cardiologist. They, you know, show me the strip. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
I had it framed. I I wish I had. So it was on their computer. They didn't print it out. I wish they did. It was. (laughs) Go back and ask. It was the most disgusting EMS, like, or, you know, heart rhythm strip I had ever seen. I was brushing it off. Like, oh, yeah, they're telling me it was significant. Whatever. Then I looked at it and was like, oh, dear God, I was dead three times. Like, literally. I get, you know, six seconds of asystole. That's technically dead. <laughs> 32 is just right. in the so, grave. So literally, my heart, my heart rate did actually drop um, while I was sitting on, on the toilet. It dropped from uh, like 72-ish to 60 and made all of these jumps. When it hit 20, it started recording. And that's how my loop caught all this. And what I didn't realize was as soon as it starts recording, it takes a minute prior and keeps that information. So that's how I knew I had gone all the way down. So it started uh, recording at 20, sees these, you know, pauses, these six second pause, junctional beat, eight second pause, junctional beat, six second pause three couplets of junctional beats and then back into the sinus rhythm 32 seconds long. And here I am today. When I talked to the, um, the cardiac specialist that was going to be doing the, the pacemaker, he initially was like, yeah, so I can understand like there's people that have significant, um, vasovagal reactions and there is a special patient population. And this is the one that he kind of clammed me in, in that if you vagal out and you stimulate your vagus nerve, you can drop into like the forties or the thirties, but then there's a significantly small population that drops 20 and below and they lose all of their cardiac output. And that's why when we were discussing pacemakers, he's like, I want you to have all the cardiac output that you can muster. So if you go and you're at 20, you're still maintaining cardiac output so you don't pass out and fall down the stairs. Or while you're driving or while you're working a cardiac arrest or something. So when when I got the pacemaker and then they put in all of the different, you know, parameters for my chip. I got, I got mine set at a rate of 40. So it'll activate 39 and under instead of 20 and under because he wanted to nix it before I lose perfusion. Or you're dead. Right. And he's like, if I can nix it early and get your blood, you know, get your pressure to maintain, you're not going to pass out. I was like, cool. I didn't realize that in the first two months, my pacemaker went off 19 times. (laughs) It activated itself 19 times, which tells me that I'm not vagaling, but that it's actually a cardiac conduction problem that I am going bradycardic. My loop just never caught it. It wasn't going slow enough. It wasn't going slow enough. It's 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 catching it at 40, but I'm wondering how many times I was sitting here in real life over a 15-year period yeah. that I had a heart rate of 32 and, right. and was like, oh, I feel kind of weird. Oh, okay, it's gone. <laughs> right? Must have been in my head. Must have been the Coke. Right. And that's it. Like, oh, I drank too much Coke today. I feel kind of <laughs> weird. You know? Um, 
so that's that's the real story behind that. Um, but you know, it it really lends itself to have the conversation of when, and we're going to have the discussion about armies on the fifteenth, because I think it it really needs to be said in that should we even allow these people to RMA you know a doc yeah. should have been called in the yeah. in at least and been like yo this guy is way worse than he's saying he is or he thinks he is you know um i was talking to the paramedic that was working in the other truck like 15 miles from here that was going to come but didn't call en route fast enough and they were like, yeah, if, if I had gotten there and realized it was you, I would have just beat you and put you on the stretcher and you wouldn't have had no choice. Whereas the other medic was like a big pushover and right. I could just be like, no, you're not taking me. Where's my paperwork to sign? Um, but again, how many times do we take care of people that are in healthcare that are like me? Doctors make the worst patients. You know, providers. No, make medics, the apparently. Any. <laughs> Anybody, any healthcare people, you know, any of us make the worst patients. So I, I think there's a lot to talk about in these kind of things. I think the main point is don't ever let that like bias begin right yeah. at dispatch. Oh, yeah, they're fine. It's all oh, it's anxiety or something. So they, they were drunk. They passed out, whatever it might be. I just had this conversation with one of our new EMTs and how it totally sets the stage and how you can say that it's, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever, say anxiety. And because it came over as dispatches that you go and by the time you're at the hospital, you call it in as anxiety and you give report as anxiety. So you've set the stage from dispatch to the hospital to the nurse that's going to take care of this patient as anxiety. Well, what happens when that patient has a cardiac event? Right. But it's anxiety. Like, yep. don't let the dispatch guy or don't let anything guide your take what you're seeing for what it's worth. Yeah. I just had that conversation in the last episode where the urgent care said it was COPD yeah. from yeah. the start. And yeah. luckily, the providers were like, no, it's clearly not COPD. Right. We're thinking CHF. But it gets stuck in that crack. In that hole. Right. It's hard to dig yourself out of yeah, it. it is. Especially, you know, if this had been a real situation, you're right. Medics and EMTs probably would have cracked my chest. And that would have sucked when I woke up. <laughs> yeah. You know? Now, granted, it's probably warranted. At least 32 oh, hey. seconds. Oh, and that's it. At least would have been doing the, the shit out of me. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, I, and I think if I had started seeing, as a provider, looking at that, if that was a real situation... I'm going straight to the pads and pacing. See, I like to think that I would be that quick, but I'd probably look at him and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> me too. And then I watch him and be like, hope. oh shit, too late. <laughs> Time to do pushy pushy. It's way too late for atropine. Yeah. Just yeah. throw the pads God damn it. Uh, you're going to need the pads anyway. That's why yeah. like, I can watch and be like, that's not good. That's not good. We're that's going really not We're good. Going Let me grab these. Like, slap, slap. Okay. All He's right. Quick. It's He's fixed. quick. Like, damn. God damn. <laughs> You know, because I've done that where I've slapped pads on because I see bradycardia uh -huh. is coming and then I never use them because magic, they're fixed. Rather have it than not. Me too. You know, and it's like, at least they're there if I need them. Just in case. Just in case. So uh, that was the big main takeaway from the discussion that I wanted to, to have today. I wanted to tie in the pacemaker episode on YouTube solely because we don't really talk about pacemakers at all. And, you know, I, I say in that video, for those that don't 
typically watch the YouTube videos, I, I literally spell out like, here are ways to help people with pacemakers. Here are things that you guys can do as, as providers that gain you more information. Like I have a pacemaker card on me at all times. Ask the patients if they do, if their wife does, if their significant other does, if it's in the house, just like you're asking for meds. Yeah. That little card tells you exactly the model number, the maker, everything about my device. It gives you a number to call. You can call and be like, hey, I'm with this person, this pacemaker. Tell like, me what you tell see. Me, tell, not even tell me what you see. That's a different thing. Well, they can't what, see it. Yeah. You can at least find out, is it on demand? Is it all the time? What are the settings for it? You know, from the factory, if you go to their base station, so now everybody's thing is Bluetooth. So like mine uploads the information to my base station, which is in my room, and then it uploads it to the cardiologist cloud. And then they can see everything. When it's activated for how long, what the circumstances were, it's pretty cool. Go to that base station, there's a phone number. Call that base station, you can like you can get in touch with my cardiologist or just ask the patients like what's your cardiologist number? Call up, be like, hey, I'm paramedic EMT so-and-so with this person. They have a base station. You should be able to see their cloud information. Download it really quick. Let me know what you see. They just had a syncable episode. That's a huge tool for a BLS provider if yeah. they don't have a medic. That is a Especially huge we see tool. Squiggly lines. But but even you don't even see squiggly lines. You wouldn't even have the option to. Right. But even as an True. ALS provider, you know, they walk in, I walk in going, hey, this patient, I'm told this patient just had a syncable episode lasting 30 seconds to a minute and a half, whatever it might be. And now I can spend three extra minutes on a phone, send my EMT on the phone. I don't care. Send the wife on the phone. I don't care. Whoever. And pick up this information that literally tells me what happened in the past. This is information that I never would have had before. I know. Oh, hey, that was a cardiac event that caused your syncopal episode. And here's what it was. Right. And now I have a better idea of how to treat you in the future. Right. Going to the it's a huge tool. Oh, no yeah. one knows about it because you know why? Never taught. Hence why I want to have this makers. conversation. Yeah. So all of these things, make sure you watch the YouTube video in conjunction with this. You'll learn a lot about pacemakers, how they function and all that different kinds of stuff. Um, guys, do you have anything else to add? I just want to give kudos to Jess because had I found out that you would have passed out <laughs> since your heart didn't kill you, I probably would have. Yeah, she deals with a lot. You go, girl. <laughs> she deals with a lot. <laughs> Anything for you, Kelsey? No. All I got. All right. Everyone, till next uh, two weeks, two weeks from now. Yeah. Two weeks. Um, on the 15th, we're going to be talking all about refusals of medical attention and having Favorite. a very interesting uh, conversation about when and when we shouldn't and who and who shouldn't be doing them. So it'll be interesting. Till next time, stay safe. Donuts. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like more information on the podcast or to send us a call to review, visit medicmaterials.com forward slash podcast. To learn more information, like us on Facebook at Medic Materials EDU or watch our weekly instructional videos on the Medic Materials YouTube channel.